Hey guys, it's me, it's Billy Bunzari, and you are listening to OMG with Billy Bunzari. So guys, I didn't put out a podcast last week because it just didn't feel like the right time to do so. I was chatting absolute shite about Robbie Williams and I just thought, you know what, I just it just felt a bit weird. So we are back this week with my usual shy talk and I'm very excited to discuss the following. So this week guys we are talking the Girls Aloud reunion. Now I know I put up some very scathing stories last week about the girlies and I'm not like going back on my words let's just say. I just think I do want to talk about the reunion tour from um, just a pop culture point of view. Like, I'm definitely not a fan, let's just say, but I think just, like, their story and kind of where they came from and how the whole kind of show, we'll say, came about, I think it's super, super interesting and it was just such a different time. So I think it's definitely nice to take a look back um, and I won't be too scathing about the girlies. Like, they are the girlies, um, it's definitely a generational thing. Like, I was kind of on the cusp between Spice Girls and Girls Aloud. I'm definitely a massive Spice Girls fan. And I wouldn't be the biggest Girls Aloud fan. But having said that, I think... I don't know. I'll be very excited to see all the tour bits and, like, the outfits and the hair, to say the least. But, yeah, we're going to be talking Girls Aloud. We're going to be talking a very exciting party coming up for New Year's Eve in Slaying Castle. That I'm working on and playing at. I'm really, really excited about. It's going to be absolutely gorge. And we are also going to be talking Kylie Jenner for Interview Magazine, which just dropped. Which is a really... It's not the most insightful interview I've ever read featuring a celebrity. But it definitely is very Kylie. And I have learned that I really fuck with Kylie. I didn't think I did. I didn't never... I don't know, I, I always just like Kim, 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 Kim. But she's definitely my favourite Jenner, let's just say. And she seems like a cool chick. This just in, guys. Kylie Jenner's a cool chick. It's a really camp interview, I feel. Um, Jennifer Lawrence conducted the interview, which is random, but also fitting because Jennifer Lawrence has spoken out like a million times over. And she says that she's obsessed with the Kardashians. And I feel like she is, and she does have a point of view, and I think as well... Not to go all like actors on actors, but I think it's nice for someone in the spotlight to interview someone in the spotlight. Because it's like, you know, who knows more than they do, you know? So that was really camp, really gorge, some really funny answers. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. So guys, I had a really nice week last week, um, just doing my usual bits. I actually was in town on Thursday night, which was Scary Mary, obviously, but I just got out and, yeah, avoided that situation. It was really, really awful. Such an awful time at the minute in Dublin and just scary, to be honest. So I hope everyone is doing good. And then on Friday, just spent the day with my family, which was really, really nice in light, obviously, of what was going on. Had a lovely dinner and then Saturday was kind of low key. Like, I was kind of around town, also kind of wasn't really. I was in Slattery's in Rat Mines for a while, which was really cute. And then on Sunday, 
I guested on Emer and Keelan's podcast, their live show. So that was an absolute ball. They did a live show in the Sugar Club and they had Jenny Claffey on as a guest. And I was brought out at the end as like a surprise guest. And I was like, guys, no one is going to know who I am. It's going to be awkward. Like, you know, bringing out a surprise guest that no one knows who the person is. But I got a really nice reception, we'll just say. I was chuffed with myself. I was like, hey, girlies. Um, It was really, really lovely. The guys are amazing. We actually had a really lovely lunch beforehand. It was just very chill. I did feel like a real rock star, though, you know, backstage. Because it's like, I can't go out there. Because I don't want anyone to see me. Because I'm the surprise guest. To say I said that to every single member of staff in the Sugar Club. They were looking at me like, who the fuck are you? But it was really, really gas and really lovely. And we played a game of Spice Girls Astrology. And then we also did Friends Astrology. Because I was conscious to the girls' audience. Like, Spice Girls to them could like mean literally nothing. Which is funny, but we also played Friends Astrology. So I can hear you all thinking at home, what is Spice Girls or Friends Astrology? And I'm about to fill you in. So get ready for this one, okay? Okay, so you have your star sign, your moon sign, and your rising. Now, I'm not all up on my astrology game the way I'd like to be. But let's just say, for the sake of the game, my love... We're going to say that your star sign is your most prominent representation of who you are. Your moon sign is like next in line and then your rising is third in line. But together, it makes you, okay? So, me for the Spice Girls. My star sign is ginger. My moon sign is posh and I'm scary rising. But doesn't that make sense? Like it literally makes sense and I do have a special skill because I think I can do anyone's do you know like I think if you if you're around someone for long enough you kind of pick it up okay so for me for friends star sign is Chandler moon sign is Rachel Phoebe rising it's so good right we used to play it in think house all the time it's my favorite game ever to play okay let's take someone okay let's take Kylie Jenner Kylie Jenner star sign is Rachel moon sign is Monica She's Joey Rising. Oh my God, let's do all the Kardashians. Guys, I swear I do not have this like in front of me. Okay, Kim. Kim's star sign is Monica. Her moon is Rachel. And her rising is Joey. Okay, Chloe. Chloe's star sign is Chandler. Her moon is Phoebe. And her rising is Rachel. Oh my God, that's so true. Okay, one more Kardashian. Courtney, obviously. I'm not doing Kendall because she's just so like, oh, whatever. Okay, let's do Courtney. Star sign Monica, probably why she puts heads with Kim, let's be honest. Moon sign Phoebe. Ross rising. Oh, I'm not 100%, but let me have a think about that. But guys, honestly, isn't it the most fun game to play? Okay, let's do Jennifer Lawrence, but we'll do Spice Girls edition for Jennifer Lawrence. Okay, baby star... Scary Moon, Ginger Rising. Guys, honestly, I challenge you all to take this upon yourself. It's the most fun game ever. Oh my God, as well, in Not Another, we used to do it with the Real Housewives. Oh my God, the Real Housewives. Okay, you can do Real Housewives Astrology. Okay, so let me go. So I am, so the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, okay? Oh my God, mine is so funny because it really does, like, it sh you show your ass when you get your astrology chart, Okay. So, 
Billy Bunzari. I'm going to say that I'm Brandy Star. No, I'm Kyle Star. Brandy Moon. Rinna Rising. Isn't that so good? Could you imagine? That's terrible for me, but like gas. Guys, honestly, it's the funnest game ever. So if anyone's listening to this via the same but different live show or the podcast, because I actually guessed it on their podcast last week. Hello, listeners, and welcome aboard. Welcome to the Notwell Hotel. I live in the presidential suite and I hope you love it here. Okay, guys, so I want to talk about the ritual, which is happening on New Year's Eve of this year. I'm so, so, so excited. It's going to be absolutely major. I'm actually working with the guys just on a bit of the creative for it. So it's basically the team who brought you Other Side Festival, which I played at this year, which was honestly one of my favorite festivals of the whole year. Like it was absolutely gorgeous. It was on like Slain, like the grounds of the castle, like Rock Farm. It's absolutely stunning. The weather was like a total mix of everything, but it just felt really dramatic and gorgeous. And I fucking loved my set. I feel like it was at like May or like early June. And I fucking slayed it. And I absolutely loved it. And I got such like a, a rush. And I was like, okay, I absolutely love the big, big crowds. And yeah, just kind of always, I've just looked back on it so fondly. So now to be working with the guys, it's been amazing. And like, guys, honestly, the lineup and the setup for this party, it's absolutely beyond. Tickets are on sale now. So definitely do cop your tickets before they sell out. Um, it's in Slane Castle. Like, it's actually in the castle, both in the courtyard and within the actual castle itself. And like, we went on the site visit and I was burning the ear off your man who like literally lives there. I was like, oh my God, did you meet Madonna? <laughs> He didn't give a shite about Madonna. He was like, stop asking me about Madonna. But I just couldn't help myself. And then, you know, and you just can't stop. Anyway, it's absolutely gorgeous. Like, it's really, really, really major. There's a purpose-built nightclub that they built in, like, the 80s. Like, the early 80s. And it, like, essentially hasn't been touched. Like, it's literally, like, jumping into a time machine. It's absolutely gorgeous. So we're going to take full advantage of that. As I said, I'm playing. Crystal Clear is playing. She is playing. Boots and Cats. Sophia Cortez says. Like, it's such a gorgeous lineup. The Midnight Disco, Marcus O'Leary. Like, it's just gorge. It's going to be amazing. And, like, the whole vibe that we kind of came up with, it's like Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut meets True and Capote's 1966 Black and White Ball. Like, kind of like Freemasonic, you know? Like, Scary Mary, but like Glam O'Hara. And obviously, it's going to be like a masked ball. So it's like, wear whatever you want once you feel amazing. But masks obviously are encouraged. So, yeah, we're just really fucking excited and it's going to be gorgeous. So tickets are on sale for that now. So if you'd like to get your New Year's Kiki in the books, um, I definitely say check it out. And just the whole kind of creative process, like it's been amazing. It's been so much fun to kind of work on an event because I haven't really dipped my toe in the event space in a while. Like I used to do Inclusive Exclusive was my little collective with my gorgeous friends, Sean and Ingrid of Shocto. And we used to do like disco parties, like bollocks to the wallocks, disco nights. Like this is years ago, I think 2019. And then I started doing disco brunches. And then I don't know what happened really, to be honest. Like obviously COVID, we were still doing them throughout COVID, but it was always kind of like, you know, a little bit funny. And then I think just Dublin is just definitely a very, and I don't want to be like talking about COVID on this podcast. Oh my God, absolutely not my love. But I don't know. I do feel like COVID is... Or Dublin is a different place since COVID. And I know this sounds so silly and trivial. But like, 
this is the way I feel, even with smoking areas. It's like when everything, everything went back after like lockdowns and stuff, like as a smoker, smokers' rights. But just lots of little things have changed in the city. So I don't know. I kind of felt a bit funny about doing events, but I'm definitely kind of looking to get back into the groove, let's just say. And it's just been amazing so far with the guys from other side and working on the ritual. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh... Okay, guys, who is ready to talk Kylie Jenner? Guys, honestly, as I've said, like, I think she's definitely my second fave. Guys, as well, fucking Timothy Chalamet and Kylie Jenner. Like, obviously, it's not new news to anyone. I'm sure people are like, is he for real? But, like, just in general. Like, I could not be more here for them as a couple. I think that's the most iconic pairing of people since, I don't know, JFK Jr. And what was his? No, well, she wasn't really in the media. Okay, I'm going to drop that one. But I honestly, guys, I think they couldn't be more iconic. Now, I think it's kind of fizzled out. I haven't heard much really in a while. But just the thoughts of them, like him going up to that big palatial compound in Calabasas. Like, what? I adore him. Like, he definitely is one of my faves. I think he's amazing. I love his work. I think he's so talented. I think he looks absolutely cuckoo bananas in the best way. Like, he literally is born to be on the screen. I just fuck with him so heavily. I think he's gas. I'd say he's absolutely gas. And I'd say, because she's just kind of quite chill, I'd say she just, like, sits and lets them talk absolute shite. And then is like, this one's mad. Do you know that kind of vibe? I love that vibe. Anyway, oh, as well, he's promoting, he has a new movie out, Willy Wonka, like a remake. How random is that? I feel like there's been no press, no publicity. I literally saw a picture of him on Twitter arriving in like Japan or something in the most amazing, like wet look PVC leather, like trench coat, black, gorgeous, like proper old school airport paparazzi shot, which is always just a fucking winner in my eyes. People used to actually dress up for the airport. Like it was given that. It was given like 1998. Anyway, it was like Timothy Chalamont or Chalamet, whatever. Chalaslay, my love, arrives in Japan to promote Wonka. And I was like, what? Like, what? I didn't know there was a movie. I don't know. I feel like it's just been all very like under the radar well for me anyway but go off I hope the movie's amazing I don't really like the creative so far that I've seen it looks very muted like obviously that's a classic movie always terrified the fuck out of me when I was a kid like genuinely terrifying I definitely did see myself represented on screen though I was definitely mixed between a good, oh my god guys let's do oh my god guys this is the gift that just keeps giving let's do the children of the Wonka factory astrology Oh my god, guys. Okay, I was... What was the girl who was like, I want a golden egg, daddy? The little bitch. No. Yeah. What was her name? Oh, guys, what was her name? I'm her star. Augustus Gloop Rising. And then Violet Beauregard. No, no. I fucked... I keep fucking my own game up, guys. Okay. I want a golden egg, daddy. I'm her star. My moon is Augustus Gloop. No, I'm Augustus Gloop. No. No, I'm the little bitch star. Augustus Gloop, moon. And Violet Beauregard rising. 
Anyway, like it's a classic movie. It's an amazing movie. It's chilling to the bone, as all good kids movies are really, I feel. And then obviously they did the remake with like Johnny Depp in 2005, which was just kind of trippy more than anything. It was just a bit like Cuckoo Bananas. Like amazing because they really ramped up the kind of bizarreness of the whole thing. But it's like, what more can they do with that now? Like for a third time. I don't even know who's, I haven't even researched it. I don't really care. I just think it's a bit weird. And the creative looked very muted. Like the colors were like shitty pink and like, just like, you know, irrelevant purple. I just was like, that's just, I don't know. Anyway, best look to Timothy. I adore him. And I think him and Kylie Jenner, iconic. Anyway, let's talk this interview Um, conducted by Jennifer Lauren, photographed by Theo Liu and styled by Mel Ottenberg. To be honest, the clothes are absolutely amazing. Like amazing, exactly what you would think Kylie Jenner for interview editorial would be. The pictures, I don't know, kind of funny. Looked kind of like, I was like, oh, this is definitely like she was in, kind of looked like, okay, look guys, I know we have to do this photo shoot. I'm in like Antigua or somewhere. Just send someone over and we'll get the shots and we'll make it really cunty. But like she was, she was, it's, it's like, it took place in LA. So that's obviously the style they were going for. It kind of looks like really elevated Kardashian holiday pictures. But like, obviously that was the style. Like I would have liked to seen a little bit more camp because when, when Kylie does camp, that's when I'm obsessed. But I do love her anyway. And it was like a really nice read. It wasn't, she's not, she's not changing the world with her interview with Jennifer Lawrence. But some little funny things that I thought were very, very gas. So basically Jennifer Lawrence is like, Who's the best hire you've ever made? Now, keep in mind, Kylie Jenner, I know the whole billionaire status thing was kind of thrown around and questioned, but like she is a violently successful businesswoman and she probably employs hundreds. And her answer was, my dog nanny. <laughs> she has a dog nanny because she has seven dogs. So she has a dog nanny. Her dogs have a nanny. Now, of course her dogs have a nanny. And then I kind of thought, Billy, that's probably, like, so standard and, like, common. But, like, her dogs have a nanny. Like, that's cuckoo bananas, no? Anywho, I thought that was really, really camp. Then Jennifer Lawrence is like, oh, where do you get your coffee from? And how does your coffee just manifest in the morning? Now, she's trying to obviously be like, you know, you have 19,000 people who work for you. Um, I'm sure life is so easy. But in fairness, she does seem like a really hands-on mom. And I say she is. Anyway, she says she gets her coffee from King's Road. And I was like don't tell me not the way she's like fond of a private jet let's just say she's racking up those private miles i was like don't say this is going to be something where she says like oh my god like the best fucking i don't know chai latte that i get is from london so i fly it over i was like kylie don't be telling anyone this but alas it's um it's a cafe in beverly hills or beverly boulevard i did look it up I and mean, she does talk about security which is obviously definitely of importance to that family I think especially after Kim's nightmare that she had in Paris obviously a lot of lessons learned guys honestly just reflecting on the whole time like that was really awful Kim was literally blamed first of all she was doubted that what happened happened and second of all she was blamed like people were so horrible remember the costume that year oh it was absolutely violent Anyway, security, obviously, they do have a little chat about that. She basically says that she has two full-time security for her kids at all times. She's like, I never had security when I was younger. Only when I became pregnant, obviously, because the whole pregnancy thing, she was kind of hidden away. And, like, there was a bounty on her head for, like, pictures of 
pregnant Kylie Jenner. But as well, I think this is kind of why I love her. Like, she does seem really low-key. Like, she obviously loves the fame. She loves her businesses to be able to do well with her platform. And she's definitely fucking works her arse off on, the, on that side of things. And then she'll give us, like, a really cunty, you know, editorial. And, like, she'll do Fashion Week. But I don't get the impression that she, like, lives and dies for the fame and adulation. Like, it's, I don't know. I feel like she kind of just hangs around in Calabasas and, like, does her thing. She doesn't seem phased by it. Obviously, anxiety is, like, mental health issue, concern, whatever. But, like, she doesn't seem as anxious or preoccupied or kind of wounded by fame as Kendall does. Obviously, they're different people. That's gonna happen. But I think it's nice to see her just kind of doing her bits because she's always just kind of like, hi, here's some titties and then bye, you know? Anyway, I love Kylie. I think she's absolutely gorgeous. They talk a lot about plastic surgery. So I don't know if anyone's seen pictures of Jennifer Lawrence recently, but there has been a lot of whispers, we'll just say, that she has been touched by the angels, we will just say. And I don't really know. I don't really care too much for Jennifer Lawrence. Like, she's not... I'm literally recording my podcast. Close that. Be quiet. Mom, there's a million lighters downstairs. Well, there's definitely one downstairs. Um, anyway what was I saying oh yeah okay so Jennifer Lawrence apparently she's had plastic surgery and Twitter is going you know up in arms and everyone's saying it so they do talk about that and it's nice because Jennifer Lawrence is like oh well apparently you know I've had my whole face done and she's like I've just been you know overlining my lips and I lost some baby weight in my cheeks and you know they're just kind of talking about comparisons and speculation and Kylie's obviously like yeah like people you know, they'll put like a picture of me when I was like 14 beside a picture of me now. And they'll be like, look how different she is. And then I kind of thought that's actually so fair. Because like, obviously you're going to, your face completely changes. Like some people's face totally changes. So I do kind of feel for her now. She, obviously she does mention that she had her lips done, which is no surprise to anyone. But it was just a nice kind of honest, open conversation. Now I do think she's obviously had a little bit more done than she lets known. But um. I think she looks fucking amazing. I think she really does. I think she looks like an absolute Barbie doll. And go off, sis. I think, honestly, Jennifer Lawrence, really she's playing into the super fan thing. And I do get why that's the whole point. But, like, she really does. She's super invested in the family. Let's just say that. And at the end of the interview, they're talking about Kylie's seven dogs, of which there is a dog nanny. Anyway, and Kylie has greyhounds, like all her dogs. I know I have to say I'm not a dog person at per se like I like my friends dogs that I know and love like I like the dogs that are in my life I'm not like a random dog person do you know and I don't really know dogs but Kylie's dogs are all like greyhounds like skinny long dogs and then Jennifer Lawrence is like oh my god do you think that you love greyhounds because they remind you of Kendall (laughs) like yeah that's exactly why I have greyhounds because they remind me of my sister how did you know that like what is she talking about camp anyway imagine being Kendall Jenner reading that you'd be like is she for fucking real get her on the phone anyway it was a really really nice interview really nice pictures have a look I'll leave the link in the show notes let's talk girls aloud okay guys so girls aloud have recently reunited and are back for a greatest hits tour entitled The Show. They're going to be hitting the arenas, my love, in May and June. Namely, Dublin, Belfast, Manchester, Cardiff, Newcastle, Manchester. Who the fuck do I think I am? Aberdeen, which is always really camp. Glasgow, 
I've never been to Aberdeen in my life. I don't know why it's really camp. Oh my God, guys, will we do Girls Allowed Astrology? Let's do Girls Allowed Astrology. Okay. Oh, this is going to be good because I don't like any of those girls. Okay, no, I actually don't mind Kimberly. <laughs> I just think, <laughs> like, in fairness, right, they were all, no, we're going to get into it. We are going to get into it. Okay, we're going to get into it. But, like, those girls were literally, you know, the, the phrase plucked from obscurity, which is an obscure fucking statement. Anyway, I think it's really, it's all-encompassing and gorgeous, and I just love that whole, like, you know, I was just, you know, a kid with a dream, and look at me now. I just love it. I love, love, love. Anyway, they truly were all plucked from obscurity. We'll just say my love. And, like, I really think, okay, let's, okay, I'm going to go through all the girls, okay, and I'm going to say, now, this is no shade to to the girlies. This is high praise, because it's like, look what you have done with your life. They're all, as far as I know, from working class backgrounds, normal girlies, like, this is the shit that I live for. So I really don't mean this in a shady way. I'm just, and it's not to say that what my predictions for what they would have been doing is in any way noble or respectful or gorgeous or needed. I'm just having a bit of a laugh. Okay, let's go through the girlies. First of all, I'm going to say what I think they all would have been doing had they not had found fame on pop stars. The Rivals, which aired in 2002. And guys, honestly, I want to take a little look back at that whole time. And the whole program, because to say it was cuckoo bananas. Now, anything from 2002 is going to be cuckoo bananas. Just let that be known, okay? But really, when I say the show was cuckoo bananas, I've been watching loads of bits on via YouTube, my love. And it really was mental. Okay, let's go. Kimberly definitely would have worked in like a home store plus more. She would have been dead excited about all the candles. The Yankee candles. And the curtains. Do you know that kind of vibe? Like she would just would have been would have been the, the one standing around drinking a cup of tea in the little kind of pinny with her name badge, just smiling at everyone. And you wouldn't even ask her for it because you'd think, I don't want to bother that girl. She's delighted with herself drinking that cup of tea. Do you know that kind of way? Loads of kids, lovely husband. That's Kimberly. I'd say Nicola would have always now Nicola's a bit of a I think it's amazing for young girls to have seen someone like Nicola on the TV doing really well. Not necessarily the most, like, outward person. Like, she's not really a song and dance kind of girly. It's kind of like when you're looking, you're like, how the fuck did that one get in there? And we do know how. But I just mean, like, I think it was great for girls to see someone like her still doing her thing, still doing her bits, but not doing the most, if you get me. Anyway, I think she probably would have been a mua. I think she would have been a Mua, but you know, one of those makeup artists who their only client is themselves. Do you know those girlies? Delighted with herself. Like I'd say she'd, she'd work behind the counter, but she wouldn't do any clients. She'd be just kind of huffy and puffy and always kind of calling in sick. Always go out on nights out, get really, really in bits, call in sick. But she'd be that much of a weapon, she'd never get fired because she'd know all of her rights. Do you know that kind of way? So that's why she always kept her job, but it wasn't because she was busy doing clients. She'd be just kind of fixing her own hair and kind of like tutting and sighing. That's Nicola. Nadine. Oh my God, Nadine. Do you know what? No, I, this is like, I think Nadine would have been, I think she could have like, she is the one who I think would have been like a TV presenter, a model turned, you know, not footballer's wife essentially, could have been, but like she would have been still in the media. Yeah, I do. I think Nadine still would have been in the spotlight if she didn't ever make that faithful, faithful blunder or even was ever involved in the pop stars show. 
obviously then she went on to pop stars the rivals which is where girls allowed were manufactured we'll say anyway sarah now sarah is my girl i think sarah is my fave allowed girly no i just said kimberly was okay sarah and kimberly i think sarah do you know what this is terrible and all respect to Sarah because I obviously love her to bits. I think Sarah just would have been one of the girlies who would have been just never really left the rave. Do you get me? One of those girlies who just absolutely loved the kind of hardcore buzz. Do you know? And never really fully left. Let's just say that. I think Cheryl, oh my God, let's do Cheryl. I think Cheryl would have fe- fallen in love with a guy who breeds XL Bulldogs. <laughs> And that's all I'll say on that. Guys, Louis Walsh was the girl's manager when they started off. Which is really funny because they hated each other. He called them a group of Irish K-word. Like, he didn't like the girlies at all. He finished up with them in 2005. Um, but that was like, they were formed at the end of 2002. So that's like two years. Anyway, let's get to it. Let's talk about how they came to be. So guys, obviously I touched on Nadine Coyle and her infamous passport blunder. Dean Coyle, I'm from Larkhill and Derry. Um, did a birth 15th of the 6th, 85. Like me, a Gemini. And, um, what did a birth did I say right? 15th of the 6th. So as most of you guys know, and if you don't, let's talk. That was from the Pop Stars show, which aired in 2001, which created the band, the Irish band Six. Now this is all on Irish TV, which is crazy to think, I feel like, would they do something like this nowadays? Probably not. Anyway, so Nadine Coyle was, was she 16 and she was supposed to be 17? I, suddenly, I don't know what happened. She gave the wrong date of birth and she was fucked out. But obviously she had made her connection with Louis Walsh. Like she knew what she was doing. He was mad about her. So then the following year when ITV launched Pop Stars, The Rivals, which the format, I just think it's really funny to look back on like the format of these reality shows, especially competition shows. Because like my generation, younger millennials, like, that was just a given, you know? Like, this is like pop idol, pop stars, pop stars, the rivals, the X Factor, Britain's Got Talent. Now, I know a lot of like critics and stuff will say, like, it's the end, it was the end of music as we knew it. But it kind of was the end of music as we knew it anyway, just in terms of like digital sales and like streaming, obviously, and stuff now. Like, it was the end of music as we knew it. So, at least looking back, it was camp and fun and made good TV regardless of whether you thought the music was good or not. And I do think the whole Christmas number one single thing was obviously affected because like obviously the premise of a lot of these shows was to air in such a way that it would kind of build up to your Christmas spot, release your Christmas single and then it goes to number one, which is literally the exact concept for the show Pop Pop Stars The Rivals. So basically they were putting together a boy band and a girl band and the judges, now the judges were camp, guys, listen to this. Now Simon Cowell, because he had gone to work on American Idol in the States, but the judges for Pop Stars The Rivals were Pete Waterman. Now not a lot of people are going to know who Pete Waterman is, but he's an absolute hero of mine. Not because he's in any way like gorge or like fabulous, but the work he's done is truly amazing. So basically he was part of a production trio who kind of really rose to fame in the 80s with like... Dead or Alive, Kylie Minogue, Bananarama. The trio was called Stock, Aiken, Waterman. And it was kind of like post-disco, high energy, fucking gay as fuck, out the wazoo, 11 minute remixes. That real kind of like 80s synthy 
fucking four to the floor heavy post disco they just absolutely hit their fucking niche and the music is exceptional like i love just looking through all tracks that they've produced and then remixes and stuff like some of kylie's best work obviously dead or alive you spin me right around pete burns like fuck me all the way up i adore him and I adore his work. Now, he looks just like someone's uncle on the judging panel. It's really kind of funny. But he did know what he was talking about, in fairness to him. So we have Pete Waterman. We have Louis Walsh, who actually was only brought in at the last minute because Chris Evans pulled out. Chris Evans, obviously, a UK radio DJ. And Louis Walsh is like everyone in Ireland's uncle, really. The gas uncle that says mad shit at the table at Christmas. But we all adore. And then, to top off... The two boys for the feminine girl power energy. We also had Jerry Hollywell, which I mean, guys, Jerry Hollywell. And guys, this is 2002. So this is post Spice Girls, obviously. And then it's also post Jerry's fucking massive album that she has, Schizophonic, which was released in 1999. And she was still massively famous and massively successful. This is after It's Raining Men and stuff. But it was just a funny one to see her as a judge, she kind of was the first big pop star to kind of go from on the stage to facing the stage. Like, if you think about it, Britney Spears has randomly and bizarrely under her fucking conservatorship, she's been a judge on the American X Factor. Nicki Minaj was a judge on the American X Factor at the height of her career. Same thing with Katy Perry, Mariah Carey. Like, it's not that uncommon to see a really successful, especially female artist in the judge's chair nowadays. But like back then, it was crazy that Jerry was doing that because like, Babe, you're a superstar. And she really was. Like, Jerry was violently successful. Like, far more so than any of the other Spice Girls. Her solo career was definitely the most fruitful. But she's just classic Jerry saying fucking mad shit. Wearing mad shit. Just being hilarious. Adore Jerry. Um, so that was the judges. And then basically the whole kind of premise was they would audition solo acts. So boys and girls. And then they would delete. I was going to say, oh my goodness. <laughs> they would vote off one boy and one girl a week. And then they were left with, I think they were left with like maybe eight or ten. And then they whittled it down to five. Five boys, that was the boy band. And then five girls, and that was the girl band. And then, this was like, I think around December 16th, that was the final. And then obviously in the weeks after, the boys would go against the girls for the Christmas number one slot. So they released their singles. And then it was just kind of like a battle in the charts. Now obviously I spoke about the early 90s to the mid 90s when that's kind of was the whole thing it was like total marketing madness and people were pitted up against each other obviously a lot with the solo spice girls and um, but it did happen a lot just like the record labels would just throw all their money at single sales and creating campaigns around that to fuel the fire really so really really interesting time and it was all consuming you know like you were watching this show you were watching pop stars the rivals which aired every saturday night for weeks in the lead up to christmas right you were invested absolutely the viewers were crazy this is when everyone watched tv like people don't watch tv anymore like i know we all have our shows but like we don't watch tv the way we did in the early 90s anyway look at me cultural commenter you were so invested in it you were watching the show every single saturday then the winners released their single so the boy band released their single now i don't even know what single they released i can't remember i know it was a double a side which is kind of a random one and then obviously the girls released sound of the underground which we'll talk about and then there was the battle for the number one essentially so it's like you're watching the show then you're hearing all about the you know behind the scenes on the radio then you're hearing the songs on the radio like it was and then it was just all consuming it was everywhere obviously sound of the underground claimed the top spot because it was an absolutely magical song out of 
complete left field for a group of girls. And yeah, that was essentially the start of their career. But um, I just think it's crazy to think back to that time of just like, just everything everywhere all at once, you know, just for literally the Christmas number one. So the, the formation of the band was kind of funny. So I actually didn't realise this until I was doing my research, <laughs> watching videos of pop stars arrivals on YouTube. Anyway, Kimberly didn't originally make the live shows. She was booted out before they brought her to the live stage, which is devastating because my Kimberly, she would have been stuck in home store plus more. Um, she didn't make it through originally. Um, Gail Connorswan did. Now, Gail Connorswan is Siva Connorswan's brother, sister, their brother and sisters, who was in The Wanted. She was originally brought through to the live shows for Popstars The Rivals. Could have been in Girls Aloud. Now, another age controversy here. She was booted out because she was actually 25 at the time of auditioning and not 24. And they had a age cutoff point, which is violent. <laughs> to think that, like, they really thought you were, you know, too old to make the girl band at 24. Which she was, essentially. You know, she was also heavily pregnant at the time. So they decided it was best for her not to continue with the live shows. And Kimberly got in. And Nicola also didn't make the original live show lineup. But someone dropped out and she was brought in. So, like, those two girls could have essentially never... They could have been living that life... I just think that's fascinating to think of. It's just wild. I love when you hear that kind of thing. Or, you know, when you hear like X single was supposed to go to X other person. I'm always like, oh my God, that's fascinating. Like Sweet Dreams, My LAX by Rachel Stevens. That was originally wrote and produced for Britney Spears after the whole Justin Timberlake Crimea River controversy. Like, did that blow your mind? That blew my mind. Anyway, Sound of the Underground was released on 16th of December and... It was the Christmas number one. It obviously slayed. It's an absolutely exceptional drum and bass track. So guys, Sound of the Underground was written and produced by Brian Higgins and Miranda Cooper, who called themselves Xenomania, which I think is really, really camp and really, really gorgeous. And a really, really interesting one because they were basically writer, producer, creative director, we'll say, um, duo. And in the early 90s, their idea was that they were going to form their own girl band and write all the material and produce all the material and kind of make it under their vision. And it's kind of Warholian, really. And whatever happened, there was a girl group and it didn't work out essentially. But when that didn't work out with their girl group, they just said, okay, look, let's give it to Girls Aloud. Because obviously there was so much like media interest and the public were on the girls' side, really. So it was kind of a sure win for them. And then obviously the girls went with the track. Now, I don't think they originally loved it because it is kind of mental. Like if you think back to like 2002 and pop music, like it was still that kind of teen pop, slightly more on the R&B side, but still very commercial, radio-friendly pop music and then to kind of whip out a drum and bass track which is essentially what Sound of the Underground is and like guys I'm not even being funny like when I play that if I play that out oh my goodness gracioso it doesn't feel like you're just playing a pop song from 2002 like you could literally play that anywhere you could play that fucking anywhere and it will go off it was inspired by Addicted to Bass by Josh Abrahams and Emil Damien I do remember that track totally addicted to bass wow wow so camp Oh, amazing. It was inspired by that. And you can really, really hear it in the song. So I think it was a bit of a cuckoo bananas 
move on Girls Aloud. I think it was a bit of a cuckoo bananas move to give that track to the girls, to a pop band. But I think that's what the absolute genius of the whole thing was. Along with their slogan that they went out with that was seen everywhere all over the UK, which was by girls, by boys. And I mean B-Y girls and B-Y-E boys. I think it's absolutely amazing. Anyway, the track wasn't without its controversies because what they did was they released it, everyone loved it. And Pete Waterman, who I spoke about earlier, basically he came out and said that it wasn't them singing on the track. Now, obviously we know now that it was singing them on the track because we know their voices so well. But they didn't necessarily really at the time, they didn't hear the girls produced, you know. Obviously there was helping hands here and there from different softwares. But Pete Waterman came out basically and said that it wasn't them. And then the girl group that Zenomania were originally planning on working with came out and said that they their voices could be heard on the song. And good old Sarah came to the girl's defense and just said, guys, look, it's really common practice within pop music, really, to have vocals on the finished record that aren't necessarily the artist. They're just session musicians or essentially the person who recorded the demo. Now, obviously, you can't hear Girls Aloud's voices all over that track, but you're talking about like in the chorus. Anyway, that was a bit of a controversy, but it didn't stop the girls from going to number one. People really did seem to buy girls and say goodbye to the boys because we haven't heard anything of those boys since. Now, I'm sure a lot of them have gone on to have amazing, fulfilled, enriched careers. I'm not being horrible, but they were no girls allowed. So guys, since Sound of the Underground hit the Christmas number one in 2002, the girls have had an amazing career. They have gone on to become the United Kingdom's biggest selling girl group of the 21st century so far. Which, now, it's not really a feat. Like, the Spice Girls sold, like, hundreds of millions of records. Like, I'm not comparing women against women, because that's awful. I absolutely am, but I shouldn't. But they're not the most successful girl band of the UK of all time. It's just of the 20th century. And their only real competition after that was the Saturdays. So I don't think they'll be knocked off the top spot anytime soon. Anyway, they were super, super successful. 4.3 million single sales and 4 million album sales in the UK alone, which is obviously massive. Like, it really is huge. And just even culturally, like, they've gone on to become so synonymous with that era, with pop music, with beauty and fashion. Like, guys, do you remember the hold the Girls Aloud eyelashes had over the girlies in 2008? Oh my god. Like it was it was a phenomenon. They were absolutely everywhere. And when I think of girls without idea, I think of hair extensions and high heels and top shop dresses and that gorgeous time in 2008 where you either were mad about Cheryl Cole and Nadine Coyle, or you were mad about Pete Doherty and Kate Moss. You know, it was like new rave, and then it was like the top shop girlies. Do you know that kind of way? It was like the peplum skirt. Oh, what a time, what a time, what a time. They obviously have been super, super successful. Obviously, Sarah very sadly passed away in 2021. So they kind of went from 2002, full tilt to 2009, and then reunited in 2012 to mark 10 years, and then toured with that kind of sentiment in 2013. So this will be their first time touring in 10 years, which is crazy to think. They've had 20 consecutive top 10 hits in the UK, including four number ones. They didn't really tend to chart anywhere majorly um outside of the UK like they obviously did like random kind of European countries um not even that high in those charts some kind of bits in Australia but it was all kind of a bit disjointed but they were definitely most known and loved on home turf um and yeah like they did they had like they had an amazing career I just I never really bought fully into it because I don't know, I never really, I think the whole Xenomania thing, so like Xenomania went on to 
write and produce 95% of all their material exclusively. Which I think is an amazing concept in one hand because it kind of makes every album a concept concept album, essentially. And it is very Warholian, I feel. But then also it's like you're just kind of getting the viewpoint of, you know, one writer and producer. Like, like imagine if Britney Spears never worked with anyone other than, you know, Bloodshy and Avant. Now, obviously that would have been amazing because they're amazing. But like, or Madonna never worked with anyone other than Stuart Price. Like, Stuart Price is amazing with Madonna. But then what about fucking, you know, anyone else? Like, Patrick Leonard or, you know, it's like, you're only getting that one kind of perspective. And as well, guys, the lyrics were cuckoo bananas. The girls allowed lyrics were cuckoo bananas. Now, I love that they were accessible. And they were, like I said, they were five working class girls. And they were just, it was kind of, it was like kitchen sink pop music. Which is amazing, I think, for one or two tracks. But to me, it just always felt very disingenuine. You know? And, like, even Cheryl Cole, who I just think has a bit of a violent personality. Like, she would always come out and be like, I fucking hate that song. It's like, oh, you don't even love it, so how are we expected to love it? You know? That's kind of my qualms with the girlies. Now, obviously, Cheryl's went on to become the nation's sweetheart. Because she is gorgeous, but I think it was just that alone, guys. I really don't think she has much of a personality. I really don't. I think if anyone has the personality, it's Nadine. She's wacky. Wacky Onassis. And for that, I love her. And I really don't want to drag on the girls, but they definitely weren't my bag ever. But I will be very excited to kind of just follow the... Just to see how it all pans out for them. Obviously, it's desperately sad that Sarah's not with them, but I do think it's nice to kind of honor her memory and that kind of thing and like i'll be i'll be looking forward to kind of seeing all the bits i just said that billy shut up so yeah i suppose more on that as it comes i know they did an interview with vogue and it was all just very pr friendly in general i'd love to see our life in looks you know the vogue lookbook essentially video where people just look back on all their like iconic outfits from the last whatever their career span was i'd love to see a girl's allowed version because like guys the early 90s, it was a wild time. And then even up until they're kind of like the end of their first run, 2009, like just the fashion and the styling. And like I said, the kind of cuckoo bananas lyrics. It's all very camp to say the least. So I'd love to see the girls kind of look back on all their bits. And I know they've done documentaries and stuff. And I'm going to just tell you guys some further watching, we'll just say, because they have had a lot of really amazing TV moments. Obviously, they came from TV. They've always been super, super comfortable in that medium. But I would love to see like a really gorgeous documentary, obviously probably touching on Sarah. And I'm sure it's probably in the fucking, in the works. Because like I said, these girls are no stranger to the format. But there was, there was one, like a mini series. The Saturdays did it years later with, I don't know what the name of it was, but if anyone remembers this crazy time in like, what would it have been? 2011, 12, 10 even, where the Saturdays basically were trying to break America and they went over, I think Scooter Braun was their manager or I'm absolutely making that up, I don't know. And basically a film crew filmed them and it was on E, like it was on E on the in the States, it was on E here. It was like the Saturdays British girl band try to make it big in LA. And it was just so camping out, not as good as it could have been because the girls aren't. We won't go there, but Girls Allow basically did their own version of that before Saturdays ever did in 2006, and it was called Off the Record. Now, when I say I was giving out about Robbie Williams, who shouldn't have kind of put himself out there in a documentary, the girlies did not haul back. They didn't give a fuck. It's camp, it's funny, 
it's kind of tense. Go and watch it. I think it's on YouTube. Um, also, they did Ghost Busting with Girls Aloud, which aired on the 12th of December in 2006. 2006 was a good year for the girlies. Um, I think you guys will have seen the screenshots or the TikToks when they're um, summoning a ghost, we'll just say, which is obviously really camp and hilarious. And then on to The Passions of Girls Aloud, which aired on the 14th of March 2008. Which was, to be honest, it was kind of like the precursor to Cheryl Cole's reign and like her massively successful solo career. Now, I have to say one thing about that girlie is she is a dancer. She always has been a dancer. She's been like a theater girlie when she was younger. She always loved the medium of dancing. But that was kind of where she ultimately hooked up with Will I Am. Guys, Will I Am is supposed to be recording Lady Gaga's next activity. We'll just say whatever it is like to just see the pictures of them walking out of the recording studio with their massive folders like get a job and stay away from her oh i just keep thinking of his work on britney jean which is the worst thing to ever happen and that fucking new single they brought out recently i don't even want to talk about it anyway that was when cheryl first hooked up with will i am Wilhelmina, and oh my god Wilhelmina, that's so camp he is so camp he's kind of funny he's a bit nerving because you never know what he's going to say but i think when he leans into it he's funny anyway that's when they hooked up for the purpose of the show and she auditioned for his music video for the song Heartbreaker, which she went on to feature in, which kind of was there. You remember they were pushing her in America. Anyway, that kind of set the tone for her own career. Then obviously he produced a lot of her stuff. They collaborated on the track Three Words, which was honestly, that's my buzz. That's honestly one of my favorite songs. I think it's absolutely gorgeous. Piano, housey, trancey, stunning. But yeah, it was kind of like looking into the future in terms of Shazza before she really took over the world, joined the X Factor, just became the nation's sweetheart. I really don't think she has that much going for her other than her looks. She's obviously a very talented hip hop dancer, but I just wouldn't be a fan of Cheryl. Let's just say that. But best of luck to the girlies. I really will be watching. I'll be dying to see the outfits. I'll be dying to see... Just how it all unfolds, and especially then how they're going to honour Sarah. They did say they're not going to release any new music. I think it'll definitely be a documentary. Maybe even a couple of episodes, like, seems to be the new format, doesn't it? Um, A nine-part Netflix series. But I think best of luck to the girlies. I will be dying for it all. Go off. And I think if anything, bring back the eyelashes. Guys, that's me over and out. Thank you so much for listening. If you've made it this far, if you haven't fucked your phone at the nearest wall, my love. Yeah, join me next week. I don't know what we'll be talking about, but I know I'll be excited. Maybe some more friends, Spice Girls, Girls Aloud, Astrologies. Let's talk about that. Slide into my DMs if you have a group of people that you think we could kiki over and do an astrology chart for. Because I think it's all very fun. I love it. I actually love that game. Um, But yeah, have an absolutely gorgeous day, month, week, year. And be safe. And yeah, lots of love. 